This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Yeah, I'm out of Detroit. I'm back in Chicago on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. It's a joy to be with you today as we have a lot to talk about. Former President Trump has announced that he is running for president again. What are the implications of that, Uh, particularly as he is facing so many legal troubles? What does all of this mean, everybody? What does it all mean? Well, we're going to see in a hot second. Um, because guess what? He's running. <laughs> He's running. Interestingly enough, his daughter Ivanka will not be taking a role in this campaign, but um, many people do not know, it has been announced, though, so, that her husband has been battling uh, thyroid cancer. Yes, Jared Kushner, very young man. And so um, whatever you think about their politics, pray for them, because that cannot be easy for that young family. They've got three beautiful young children, and it's a very difficult time for them. But also, they took social hits, and then they disagreed with their father, with with her father and with his father-in-law on something. So there you have it. But uh, this will be a very interesting cycle. So I want to know what your thoughts are. What do you think about him running for president again? What impact do you think his running for president will have upon election 2024? He is still the front runner after two impeachments and indictments or investigations, all of that, people all around him. With all of that, he's still the front runner in the Republican column. It's just unbelievable. What does he stand for? What is it? What is it that is so attractive um, that so many people find so attractive. I mean, not us, but, you know, you know, I think the only way that you can really, really dig down and find out what's going on is to ask those questions. Be more objective. Maybe it's because I spent a lot of time in science in college, and um, it really, science does not, and really, if you look at life, life is so scientific. It really is about the facts. Don't ever say that something looks crazy to you. That means all it means is that you don't have all of the facts. When you get more of the information, then things don't look so crazy. You go, oh, now I understand how we ended up with this conclusion, right? So let's talk about President Trump today. He's got a panel, and you are part of that panel. I want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, where do you think this presidential run is going to go? Um, do you think he'll be successful? Do you think Ron DeSantis will be able to upend, upend him? Do you think that President Biden will be is the strongest candidate to face him? In 2024, assuming that he gets the nomination. Well, let's talk about it at 773-763-9278. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking about the Cherokee Nation. As you know, I'm so proud. My brother Jonathan will be seated um, in Congress. He's at orientation right now, along with Dahlia Ramirez. So proud of them both. So proud of them both. That having been said, uh, the Cherokee Nation have been trying to get seated for more than 100 years. It is law for them to be part of the U.S. Congress, to have a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. That has not happened. That has not happened. We're going to have the delegate, Delegate Kim Teehee, uh, the woman who has been, the person who has been selected by the Cherokee Nation and affirmed by their chief 
um, by their chief, Chuck Hoskin, to go to be their representative in Congress. They will be with us at the bottom of the hour to talk about the, that push to get to get her seated and to get their voice heard at the congressional table. I support that, and I'm going to do everything I can, and I hope that you will join me to help them get seated. That is the very least we can do. And we need to seat all of the First Nation, all of the First Nations. That's right. They need to have representatives in Congress. Come on, everybody. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. And it is going to be quite the cold day. I mean, I drove up to Michigan with my father and back and saw snow. More snow coming back than I did. I did going up there, everybody in Chicago. We're going to see some snow today. A high of 37 degrees for snow showers in Minneapolis, St. Paul. 32 degrees will be the high. Snow showers. The NFL, unbelievably, took the night off last night. And in the NBA, the Timberwolves will be playing the Magic. And the Bulls will be facing off against the Pelicans. And the NHL, the Predators, too, the Wild One. And the Blues will be here in Chicago. Former President Donald Trump announced yesterday that he will seek the Republican presidential nomination in 2024, quote, in order to make America great and glorious again. I am tonight announcing my candidacy for the president of the United States, he told a crowd gathered at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Palm Beach, Florida. He was surrounded by allies, advisors, and conservative influencers, and he delivered a speech uh, that was very interesting. Is in fact, he was talking about a rainbow coalition. He was uh, speaking of the fact that he has increased black and Latino membership in the in the Republican Party. And that is true. It's really interesting. And he was very, very subdued last night. Did you see that? He was that. What do you make of that? Some people are saying it's because of his legal troubles. Mm, no, I think it's because it's another strategy that he's employing. But let's talk about that today at 773. Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. There is no room for sentiment in politics, everybody. This is strategy, or as George W. Bush would say, strategery. The historic Artemis One mission took flight today, paving the way for NASA to return astronauts to the moon. For the first time in 50 years, following months of anticipation and postponed launches, the agency's rocket lit its engines at 1.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and hauled itself off the launch pad in Florida. There are no astronauts on this mission. It's an uncrewed capsule, but it will complete its journey in about 25 and a half days, and we wish it safe journey so that we can get a crew on there and get back to the moon, everybody. World leaders are attempting to defuse a potential escalation in the months-long Ukraine war after a Russian-made missile landed in eastern Poland on Tuesday, killing two people. Um, it's very interesting. The Western powers did not run to blame Russia for that. It turns out there is a BBC report that says that actually this Russian-made um, this Russian-made missile uh, was shot by Ukraine. We'll see how all of this goes. Those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Pastor Vicki Johnson, that hour of power at the St. Thomas Lutheran Church here in Chicago at 80th and Jeffrey. You want to get on over there? Get on over there. Get on over there. Get on over there. And um, and be blessed every Sunday from 1145 to 1245. Pastor Vicki Johnson, we need some good news today. 
<laughs> well, good morning, Santita, and good morning to all of your morning stars and friends. There is good news. I took my mother, who will be 92 in 10 Ooh, days. Praise God, yes. Amen. She'll be 92. For I took her for a doctor's appointment on yesterday. They needed to take blood, so we went to the lab. The phlebotomist was so skilled at her craft until my mother didn't realize that her blood was being drawn until the third vial. Mm. It was such a joy being there, watching her do what she did in an excellent way. Excellent. Over 50 years ago, Dr. King put it like this. If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great sweet street sweeper who swept his job well. Then he said this poem. If you can't be a pine on the top of a hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of the hill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree, and if you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or fail. Be the best of whatever you are. These words were spoken right here in Chicago, Illinois, by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at the New Covenant Baptist Mm. Church one year before his assassination. Whatever your lot in life might be, strive to be the best. Strive for excellence. My mother was blessed by her excellent phlebotomist. And people will be blessed by you when you do your best and strive for excellence. If you will do this, and I believe that you will, then to me, that's good news. Amen to that. Amen to that. You know, and and be proud of what you do. Be excited about it. We stopped at a Cracker Barrel yesterday. My father loves Cracker Barrel. Loves it, loves it, loves it. <laughs> so, of course, we stopped so we can so get his chicken and dumplings or whatever it is that he's going to order. And what was really touching, I have to tell you, Pastor Johnson, was this. It was just, I think, not too far from Battle Creek, Michigan. It was white and black people, working class, who were working together. But what was so touching was when they saw that Reverend Jackson was in the restaurant, they started coming out of the kitchen. And they just wanted to touch him, hug him, kiss him. One woman said, you know, you had been, you you were here before and you were moving a little slowly, Reverend. I'm glad to see your mobility is back. 
Hmm. She said, I've been praying for a young white woman. She said, I just had to come out. She said, I've got to go back in and cook. (laughs) And then I spoke with another young woman who went to Michigan State. She started crying. She said, I sang for you in 2004 when I was in school at Michigan State. And I just Hmm. want to thank you. And it really touched me to see. I said, you could... The way you've touched your lives, Daddy, you could never be paid for this. I said, and that's what you always told us when we were kids, that money has its place and money is not my point. If you want to make it, great, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang my hat on that to make a living. <laughs> Let God make the way for you and you're going to be just fine. Serving people. He said, there's no higher calling. Serving God by serving people. Yeah. And he further speculated that, you know, uh, if we could break down these barriers, we could come together and do some great things. He said, because all these people have something in common, whatever their backgrounds. They're all poor and they're working here. Yeah. I thought about that. And when I spoke with this young woman uh, who I just spoke of, I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, I'm just a cook. I said, wait a minute, I'm eating the food. That's a very important thing for me right now. But it turns out she's also a carpenter. Hmm. I said, wow, that's what Jesus did. And she looked at me. She said, and I love to do it. And I promised her I'm going to reach out to a friend of mine who is teaching in Michigan. I said, you should be teaching that. You're going to touch some young woman who can't can't even believe that a woman can do this. And then we started talking about how little women are paid. And And I'm an older black woman. She's a young, white woman and she's got a single mom with three kids and she's working with her mom i'm sharing all of that to say everybody that we have got to come together and we have to respect and love people wherever they work just to cook oh no that is honorable a carpenter jesus did that that is honorable if you don't think the garbage men and women are important, let them go on strike. Pastor Johnson, if you don't think the janitor yeah. is important, yeah. come into that building right. the day, the next day. Oh, no. Everybody matters. And we need to start treating people and paying people like they matter. So I, I, just, I just had to say that, and I wanted to thank you for blessing us with that today because we needed that. Amen. More Amen. than ever, more than ever, preaching, preaching at, uh, at Pastor Thurston's church. So many <laughs> generations of them at New Covenant, and they are some preaching right. machines. God bless them. Amen. And love you. Amen. Love you at St. Thomas Lutheran Church, everybody. 80th and Jeffrey, 1145 to 1245. You don't want to miss it. It is an hour of power and empowerment. You will be blessed. We have got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us today as we're in this, ooh, cold season. <laughs> it's cold, and we're going into the holy season i can't believe we're almost a month out from uh, from christmas it's unbelievable but now it's about the we're about to get all the snow and everything else is there anything you can tell us to do to help us to keep our immune systems robust so that we can be what did you say illness is not our lot wellness should be pastor i mean excuse me pastor dr knighton you there Ooh, ooh. Yes, I'm here. 
Oh, okay. You're going to lock down about four minutes, well, three minutes, and they belong to you. You go. <laughs> okay. So I was going to say, and it's so interesting because I was so stuck in the headlines and stuck in the message this morning, right? Mm. Um, well, you know, so, go, where, go wherever the Spirit leads you with what you want to say today. So it's so interesting, Santita. I think, like, one of the things um, to touch upon is honestly, and it's not in the political realm, but it's just the fact that we don't think about infection prevention outside of, let's say, healthcare settings or for populations outside of the public. And so when you think about populations that face the public, that interact with the public in close proximity on a regular basis, that most likely don't have infection prevention and control guidelines, that would be, I would say, law enforcement. Um, people that's in security, individuals that may have to physically engage with others, you know, on a regular basis in order for them to be able to do their jobs. And so as I'm thinking about, let's say, the holiday season, I know here, and I don't think, I think it might be everywhere that they say that crime is the highest um, around Thanksgiving. Um, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a thing here. It may very well be a thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is like even in the midst of, let's say, this season of where people have to interact with others. Um, thinking about the safety, you know, the in, the individuals that will be facing outwards with others that very well may not be thinking about infection prevention and control. I know individuals may say, oh, well, masks are dropped. We no longer need to wear masks. But imagine having someone in your face, you know, that is a stranger or multiple strangers that are in your space and the ability to not be able to protect yourself if someone's hollering or yelling at you and droplets are being spewed in your face. Mm. And I guess I've said that about law enforcement, but that could apply in nursing and so many other things. But it's just really thinking about your profession, especially during this season. What are instances where you may be interacting with someone and essentially may have that close contact in a way that others typically don't? So it can be dealing with disgruntled customers during this holiday season. It could be someone hollering at you because it's in the heat of the moment. That person very well may be expressing themselves and you very well may be calm and listening. But the thing is, is you don't want to be calm and listening and then walk away with COVID or walk away with another respiratory illness during the season. So I guess my biggest thing that I just challenge individuals to do that have professions or work that are going to require them to interact with the public and that sometimes be within close proximity, consider ways for which you can protect yourself, meaning that it is very challenging when you're short-staffed, when you're in the heat of the moment and trying to get things done, that you rarely think about yourself because a lot of us, you know, are in public-serving professions. Yeah. But... Even with being in a public-facing profession, we still have obligations to the people that we love, and those are the people that we go back home to, and we don't want to take them back anything that's going to cause them to be ill. So it's just very important to think about infection prevention and control in that lens. Put on that mask, everybody. I was at a a few 
events where people ate and they were just talking over my food and I couldn't eat. Thanks to Dr. Knighton. Back with more of the Santee Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, 773 763 9278, 773 763 WCPT. WCPT is my home station. Uh, the largest progressive talk radio station in the country, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and other stations throughout the country. And, of course, meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. The Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. We're going to be talking about President, former President Trump and his announcement that he is making a third run for the presidency. Third run for the presidency. What do you think about that? But I want, I want this to be uppermost in your mind. It's been 187 years since it was signed into law by Congress, it was authorized by Congress, uh, that the Cherokee Tribal Council would have a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. It's been 187 years, and it has never happened. It has never happened, but today I'm glad to report that we are closer than ever. There is a delegate selected, Delegate Kim Teehee, brilliant lawyer, um, someone who has respect from all quarters, all quarters of society, uh, within the First Nation community and really in the broader community. She's worked with the Obama administration. She has done so much. And we're so honored to have the head of the chief of the Cherokee Nation. We're so excited every time he's been here, the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, Chuck Hoskin Jr., who actually is going to be a witness. They're they're going to Washington today um, because we've got to make this happen. They should be um, in the House of Representatives. It's been 187 years since they were to have had a seat. Welcome back to the show, or should I say welcome home, Delegate Teehee and Chief Hoskin. How are you today? You're doing well, doing well. So where do we begin? Delegate Teehee, would you like to kick things off, or would you like the chief to do that? Go ahead, chief. Well, uh, Santita, you and your listeners have helped helped us get here. I mean, you've been covering this for a number of years. Here's the issue. You framed it up nicely. But the treaty we're talking about nearly two centuries ago was the basis for the forced removal of the Cherokee people. Uh, it uh, was the basis for the Trail of Tears, great destruction to the Cherokee people. We lost a quarter of our population. It's always been a source of pain and injury in that treaty. And, and you mentioned it in the opening. Cherokee Nation gets a delegate in the United States House of Representatives when Congress shall make provision for the same. Well, here in a few hours, we're going to be looking directly across the table at Congress, at the Rules Committee, something we've been pushing for, something Kim Teehee has been advocating for. She's the the designated delegate from the Cherokee Nation, if they will seat her, and they should seat her. And so here we are. We have a hearing at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time at the Rules Committee, in which for the first time in two centuries, Congress is going to take another look at this treaty, and we're going to show them that the United States made a promise to seat a Cherokee Nation delegate. 
And look, promises ought to be kept, and that's our message today uh, to the Rules Committee of the House of Representatives, and we're going to get Kim Teehee seated. Chief Hoskin, Chief Chuck Hoskin of the, Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin of the Cherokee Nation. Let me ask you this before I pivot to Delegate Teehee. Is it a promise or is it the law? Well, it's the law. I mean, the treaty is the supreme law of the land, no matter what kind of treaty you're talking about. Um, it is in the Constitution that it's the supreme law of the land. Uh, this is a treaty that the Cherokee Nation itself has been, uh, you know, held, held account to meet its end of the various provisions. And so it's got the force of law. We know that. Uh, and so there's really no escaping this, in my opinion. It's not just it's nice to keep a promise. It's a legal obligation on the part of the United States. And this is a test for the United States. When it comes to meeting legal obligations to Indian country, we know the history every single treaty we've ever had with the United States has been broken. And that same story plays out across all of Indian country, 500 plus tribes. Uh, a, a large number of those have treaties, all of them uh, breached in some way. But here we are in the 21st century, an opportunity for America to make good on a really important promise. But it is the law of the land. It is the law. And I, you know, I just I want to state that so that the audience is clear and so that we can understand that we are asking for the law to be enforced. We're not asking for a favor. This is the law, and it was made law 187 years ago. It has not been enforced. Delegate Teehee, what can we do to have the law enforced? Well, thank you, Santita, for making that distinction. It, it is it, it is the law of the land. Treaties with Indian tribes in this country are not abrogated unless Congress or the courts expressly do so. And our treaty right has never been abrogated, has never been overturned, and however old the treaty right is, it is still a valid uh, treaty right. And so what we can do is go to CherokeeDelegate.com and, uh, and ask your listeners to reach out to their members of Congress on the House side in particular, the House Rules Committee, Speaker Pelosi, and ask them to, excuse me, one, tune in to the hearing today at 10 a.m. Eastern Time um, on C-SPAN, um, but also to um, ask for a vote. We appreciate the historic nature of having an oversight hearing on the treaty right itself, um, but we'd like to have a vote, too, and we'd like to get it done this year. What was the basis of this treaty? Why why was this treaty established in the first place? Chief Hoskin. Well, to, to me, well, the treaty was, was uh, crafted in the first place because the United States was trying to essentially rid itself of the Cherokee Nation. Think about what time period we're talking about, Santita, 1835, the United States, not as expansive across the continent as it is now. The problem, the Indian problem, uh, as, as they would call it, that the United States has had was to be solved by pushing Indians across the map. Cherokee Nation was not going willingly. We weren't going quietly. We were resisting. We were going to the courts. We were going to the Congress. We were building support. Ultimately, the United States uh, crafted this Treaty of New Echota of 1835 with actually a minority faction of Cherokee. They couldn't even govern. They couldn't even treat with our government. But in any case, the treaty was imposed so that the United States could essentially execute a solution to its problem, and it perceived its problem to be 
Cherokees on land that states like Georgia wanted to occupy. So that was the basis. We were forcibly removed. The United States certainly got what it wanted out of that bargain. I mean, think about this. The United States wanted to move us across the map to what is now Oklahoma at that time, not a state, not even uh, really a territory in the United States, although owned by the United States. Uh, The United States got something out of that bargain. We're coming to the Congress today to say, we would like our part of the bargain. We would like what we bargained for. We would like the delegate seated. And, yeah, and we want the law enforced. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we can, you know, I don't think we can say that enough, Chief Hoskin, that right. the law is being broken by not right. seating Delegate Teehee. Yeah. And then well, whoever the delegate is, Delegate Teehee. Yeah. And, and, and importantly, as part of that treaty right, you know, we gave up millions, like, is seven million acres of, of land in that treaty, in that land session. Um, you know that that's what was you know given up in that treaty. That's what were negotiated about in that treaty. You know, seven million acres of land. You know, I think we can. I think I think that's about the size of eight states in this country. Uh, the amount of land that was given up, and uh, in one of the in, in, in that march, that forced march where a quarter of our population perished. And so I, we do think it'd be some small measure of justice for the United States to honor its, 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 its uh, promises to honor the law, just as you described. It's the law. I mean, because if we, if we make it a promise, right, I think that's one of the things I've learned from, the civil, from you know, just growing up in the civil rights movement. You know, it, it sounds softer, um, and it sounds like, well, you said that you were going to do this for me. No, 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 this is the law. <laughs> right now, the law is being broken because sure. this treaty, if you have a treaty of Versailles, we honor all of these treaties, particularly with European countries. And when it comes to countries of color, indigenous people, African people, um, Indian people, somehow or another, the treaty just it's, it's something wrong with it. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. And I just think that we have a, we have a treaty with the Cherokee Nation that is 187 years old, everybody. It needs to be honored. It needs to be honored. They are to have a delegate who is seated in the House of Representatives, just as you have with the District of Columbia, and she should be a voting member, and we will work on that too. That's what needs to happen. So how can we support you, uh, Delegate Tihi? How can we support this proposition and make this happen? Well, thank you for that. I think your listeners can reach out to um, members of the House of Representatives and ask them to um, vote this year to seat the delegate. But in addition to that, Santita, to also urge the House to make sure that the delegate of the Cherokee Nation has similar authorities as delegates of the U.S. territories. After all, law established U.S. territory delegates, just like the law established Cherokee Nation's delegates, albeit in a treaty. Chief Hoskin, the final word belongs to you. Uh, you are the well, I, of the president of this nation, and so we want to hear from you, Chief well, I'll, I'll, Chief Hoskin uh, of Chuck, uh, pre- Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin of the Cherokee Nation, Chief Hoskin. And, yes, Santita. First of all, Wado, that's thank you in Cherokee to you and your listeners. You've helped us get this far. We're hitting a milestone today. Thinking a lot about my ancestors uh, this morning, a lot about uh, my predecessors in this office of Principal Chief. They sacrificed so much 
uh, and endured so much. And here we are in 2022 poised to uh, hold America accountable for this promise. And I think that's important, not just for Cherokee people. I think it's important for all Americans. And so I would encourage people to go to CherokeeDelegate.com. It takes a few minutes, a few clicks to send a message to your member of Congress to say, let's keep America's promise to the Cherokee people. So we'll get it done, Santita. Liddell. Amen. And let us observe the law. This is law. She is to be seated, and it should happen immediately. I want you all to come back. Let me know what your schedule is looking like. You're going to be testifying today, Chief Hoskin. And so perhaps we can follow up tomorrow or on Friday to find out what happened. We have to keep the issue alive and keep it in front of people because not enough of us know about this. Blessings to you both. Blessings to you both. Uh, so, Delegate Teehee, you'll be hearing from me later on today, because we want we want to keep this we want to keep this issue alive. We want the law to be observed. That's what we want. Since they took, I'm they took you like, of acres okay. of your land, <laughs> that's the least that they can do. Oh my gosh, this is just too much. Well, I'm going to send you a, uh, a toolkit um, for you for uh, you and your listeners and the Reverend to um, push out on social media. Okay, send it on, and we will do that. And everybody, all my morning stars will do that, too. Everybody will. We're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. I want you to, I I won't rest until I see you seated alongside my brother Jonathan and Dahlia Ramirez. Congratulations, by the way. That's a wonderful victory, Jonathan. Well, I will feel better when I see you in there. So how about that? I won't be satisfied until I see you there. It's incomplete. The victory is incomplete for me. So there we go. Let's make this happen, everybody. Let's make this happen. CherokeeDelegate.com, is it? Yes, ma'am. Okay, CherokeeDelegate.com, everybody. Let's get involved and call your representatives today and let them know that we want Kim Teehee seated. We want the Cherokee Nation representatives seated in the U.S. House of Representatives. It's a 187-year-old law that has not been observed. It needs to happen right away. Sending you all much love. I know the chief is going to be brilliant in his testimony today. I can't wait to see it myself. God Wonderful. bless you both. Thank you so much. God, God bless, you. bless you both. All right, Madam Congresswoman, I can't wait to can't wait to can't wait to make that happen because it's already the law. <laughs> I'm just going to speak it into existence. How about that? Hey, everybody. CherokeeDelegate.com. CherokeeDelegate.com. Please let us get her seated. It's the law, and it's just, and it's justice. They deserve that. All right, everybody, what about President Trump, former President Trump, who announced yesterday that he is running for president again? He, saw, he filed the papers, because you have to file papers, with the FEC, with the Federal Election Commission. It is official, and he is the front runner. Yes, he is. Even though you see the uh, this love affair that the that the media are having with Ron DeSantis because he's not Trump, um, the love that and the devotion, quite frankly, that his followers, that his supporters, I'll put it that way, have for him, it's not transferable. So we don't know beyond Florida and beyond the governor's race in Florida the impact that Ron DeSantis will have. We don't know. We do know that our This will be his third run for the presidency, former President Donald Trump. We do know that he got more than 70 million votes the last time he ran. Highest second-place finisher in the history of the republic. We do know that. 
So what will happen here? A lot of people are saying, well, I'm not so sure that he should be running. And that's within the GOP. But the party faithful are not saying that. So, and even though the media keeps saying that his people lost, the majority of the people who ran under his banner did win. Yes, they did. (laughs) So let's talk about this, everybody, at 773-763-9278. Now, he's never won the popular vote. Keep that in mind. That's why we have to look at this electoral college. That's why we have to look at all this stuff so we can make things right, everybody. Because he's never won the popular vote. Never. But he's won according to the rules that have been put in place. (sighs) Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary, Livonia Perryman, brilliant, brilliant, Emmy Award winning media host. I can't just put her on radio because she does have a tremendous radio station on one of the most, it's one of the most widely listened radio shows, listened to radio shows in America. Indeed, she is on the superstation that comes out of Detroit, 9, 10 a.m., and I don't want you to miss her. She is on from 4 to 6, 4 to 6 Eastern Standard Time every day of the week. Brilliant Lavonia Perryman. Of course, we've got attorney Aaron Connolly. So let me start with you, uh, Lavonia Perryman, someone who I've known who's also been very active in democratic politics. So you've been a you've been a democratic organizer, uh, a political operative. I mean, that's how I've met you all these years ago. Many I've known you since I was a child. And um, tell me, what is your reaction because, you know, it seems like his manner, and you know this because you've done so much media coaching, too. She's done it all, everybody. Um, you know, his he was much more subdued, Lavonia Perryman. You're absolutely right. First and foremost, I want to thank you so very much for allowing me to share this time with you. And I want people to understand, as we talk about uh, politics, policy, uh, who could represent you, the country, that it is so important that we understand that we have voices like Miss Jackson, I like to call her that, that she <laughs> is a young lady of importance that I've known literally since she was a little girl. But I, I want folks to understand the power of the message, the voice, and having us having an opportunity to dissect it today. First and foremost, that is so important. But what, we, what I saw yesterday, what I heard yesterday from uh, a, a, a man who has been in this business of entertainment, uh, who got into the business of politics and claimed to be the savior of many people. I want folks to understand he wasn't talking to everybody and about everybody. I picked up again, once again, and I sat up this morning since like four o'clock, like Miss Santina did, <laughs> and dissected the speech. It was the energy was not there that we normally normally expect mm-hmm. if we look at it from a messaging uh, presentation. Number two, there were so many uh, 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 points that were not true. Absolutely not true. Let me just say this, because I, I usually say this about other journalists. He, he lied. I'm going to say it. I, Livonia. He lied during near for 40 minutes about everything from New York to Florida issues, even about uh, our good Chicago brother, 
President Barack Obama that he stole uh, articles of papers, Secret Service papers, and took them when he left the White House. It is known that the archives, they, they took the papers to Obama. That's one. Number two, that one, people need to understand, this wasn't about America. It was not. It was about Donald Trump trying to hide under the skirt of democracy. That was what he was doing. And he's good at it. We can't take that away, Santina. He's good at it. And so well, we me, people... But let me, well, hold on. Let me ask you this. As someone who, who's been in media on both sides of the camera and on both sides of the mic... I mean, because you produce, but you're also, she's a stunning woman, everybody. And so she's been on camera. She's been, but she's always really, really pushed. You've inspired me because you've, you're like, no, 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 you need to produce so you can shape to, the message. I got to produce Sandy's, I got to produce her show on the Word Network, by the way, but go ahead. Yes. No, you did, but, 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 I've, yeah. but you've also produced Reverend. You said, hey, Reverend, yes. don't say it this way, but can we make sure? I've seen you do that. And so, I mean, as as we have Aaron Connolly and Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary here today, I mean, what did you see? Because, you know, the same guy who ran in 2016 and 2020 was not going to be the same guy who popped up on us on 2024. No. You never are. You have so many other experiences. Reverend was a different he he was a more evolved guy in 80 than he was in 84. And then, you then know he what was I in saw, 64. I saw I saw an older man. Mm-hmm. Who was under stress, and you? No one would say that Trump under stress. I also saw a guy who really was looking at his future, what the possibilities finally are. That mm-hmm. what he had created for himself in his bubble, he could see that the possibility of that going up in flames. And he was. And the reason he was speaking the way he was, he was, and his, his handlers, this is what happens behind the scenes. His handlers wrote a speech. If you've got to stick to it, because every word is going to be dissected. And then every word was. But he went off script. And literally, guys, he lied for 40 minutes. And guess what? Once again, media people, we bought the, 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 the masses of media folks. We listened, we wrote it, and then we said, well, you know, he might win, he might not, but we're going to move over to this other new guy. This new guy is not going to serve us if we're going to do the politics of this conversation. He is not going to serve the masses of the people. And I'm just going to say it. Black people, brown people. I mean, the actions of both individuals, Trump in terms of his speech and his actions and what he said yesterday, DeSantis, what he is doing right now, if that's what we're banking on saving America on, we need to start rowing a boat up the Detroit River. That's what I am. That's what I saw. That's what I felt. And that's what we are. I believe black and brown people are today. That's what we need to look at. Well, you know, if, it, if it's going to happen to black and brown people, it's going to end up happening to everybody. I want to know what your thoughts are, everybody. I want you to call us at 773 763 Aaron, of course, you'll be speaking more in the next in the next block, but I have one minute, literally, before we go to break. Your thoughts? Have you have you recovered yet? Have you gotten up off the floor? I have to ask that, <laughs> Pastor Yuri, because I think you need to pray over a throw, yes, yes. throw, throw some prayers Fairly. over, Pastor. 
throw them. Away. Yeah, I, I think there's so much to say in the next hour, so I, I don't want to try and put it all in okay. one minute. But well, I no, just give, give me was, a one word. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm a, <laughs> agent of chaos. Agent of chaos. That is what this man is, right? Pastor Yuri? Wait, since y'all just gonna give me one word, Pastor Yuri, did you? Where's your popcorn? Because you said you were gonna sit up there and you were gonna sit on the sofa with your popcorn, you know, and something sweet, you know, because that's what how we like it. All that butter, a little bit of salt. What happened? Yeah, ran out of the popcorn. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say manipulation is the one word I'll give you. Ooh. Well, okay, talk about a cliffhanger. We're going to hear more about that on the other side of the break. And, of course, uh, Dwight McKee, brilliant sociologist, who predicted all of this four years ago. What? In, no, in, a, in, in 2016 and in, again in 2020. He said he's not going anywhere. He said he's going to run again. He said, I don't care how many times you impeachment, impeach him. He ain't going nowhere. He's been impeached twice, everybody. Whew. Not until... Not until America, I can see it coming along. It's not a tsunami that happened on November 8th, but not until America decides, and that's all Americans say, you know what? We are not going to continue to be, as the temptation say, in the midst of a ball of confusion. We will not accept this. When we decide, and I keep saying this, the last word for the moment, I, I really believe that mamas and mothers and fathers when mothers say, I'm tired of being abused by a, this man calling me out of my name. I'm tired of him taking advantage and calling my grandparents out of their name. I'm tired of all of this. We are going to stand up and wipe him out. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Wednesday, hump day, November 16th, 2022. President Trump, former President Trump, is back on the run. What do you think about that, everybody? Call us at 773-763-9278. Of course, it's legal Q&A with CK. CK said, I want to talk about politics. Do you think people are tired of that right now? I said, no, CK. I think everybody's kind of into this, particularly since we have someone who predicted this a long time ago, Dwight McKee. So I had to get him for you because you said I want Dwight because I, I know he's got something to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then, of course, we've got Lavonia Perryman, someone who we have known forever out of Washington, D.C., Emmy Award-winning producer, on-air personality, in radio, in television, so brilliant, Democratic political operative and organizer. I've known her through the Jackson campaigns, through Marion Barry's campaigns, just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And she was helping us to understand President Trump's demeanor last night, which was very, very different than what we have seen. It was his energy was it was much more subdued. And he was speaking of all of the black, the new uh, the new people he's brought into the party, namely black and brown people. So it was just it was an interesting speech. And you have to look at it. If, at least I did. I'm going to watch it again so I can really kind of 
wrap my mind around it. But I want to hear from you, everybody. We need to hear from you today at 773-763-9278. What do you make of him running for president again? What do you make of it? Hey, Effie, you need to call in. And Jarvis and Lorraine and Daryl and Andre and all of you. Call us at 773-763-WCPT, 773-763-9278. 9278. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, WCPT 820 here in Chicago and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. And meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and Santita Jackson and Friends. And meet me on Twitter at Santita J. At Santita J, everybody. Chicago will have a high of 37 degrees, snow showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 32 degrees, snow showers. The NFL had a rare night off. We got a break. In the NBA, the Timberwolves will be playing the Magic, and the Bulls will be facing off against the Pelicans. In the NHL, the Predators, two, the Wild One, and the Blues will be playing Chicago later on this evening, everybody. What about President Trump? Call us at 773-763-9278. He filed his papers with the FEC, and he is officially running for president in 2024. What do you think is going to happen? Will that help him to not be indicted? Will it stop the investigation? What do you think is going to happen? Call me at 773-763-9278. Indeed, he said, in order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. The historic Artemis One mission took flight today, finally after months of fits and starts, paving the way for NASA to return astronauts to the moon. It's an uncrewed capsule. In other words, people are not in there, not this time, but the next time they will be. And it will complete its journey in about 25 and a half days. Let's pray for a safe journey for this uncrewed capsule so that we can get a crew up there and make and ensure that they will be safe, everybody. A federal judge on Tuesday blocked Title 42, a controversial rule that allowed U.S. authorities to expel more than one million migrants who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border. This leaves the Biden administration without one of the key tools it put in place to address thousands of immigrants arriving at the border on a daily basis. And let us not forget, everybody, that the greatest number of visa overstays in the United States are not from the south of the border, but from our brothers and sisters to the north. That's right. Canadians overstay their visas more than anybody else. Just saying. World leaders are attempting to defuse a potential escalation in the months-long Ukraine war after a Russian-made missile landed in eastern Poland on Tuesday, killing two people. There was much speculation that this actually came from Russia, uh, Washington, and the rest of the Western powers, however, did pump the brakes. And now the BBC is reporting that that missile actually came from Ukraine. We'll see how all of that goes into Poland, which is a NATO nation. Let's get right to it, everybody. But before we do, I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg, everybody. Team Hochberg. Why do I want you to reach out to them? Because I want you to have financial freedom. If you're using a debit card, you really need a credit card. But you need a plan so that you can get your credit up to the space and place so that you can get a credit card. If you have credit card debt... It needs to be brought down. Do not negotiate with these credit card companies. They need to talk to Team Hochberg. They know what to say. They know what to do to bring down your credit card debt, if not outright eliminate it. Do you want to buy a house? You say you don't have good credit? Mm, So what? They'll come up with a plan that will ensure that you will be able to buy a house. If you really, really want to get the financial shackles off of you, I want you to reach out to 855-56-DAVID. 855-56-DAVID and 
let them know. Let them know what your issues are. You'll have a free consultation. Let them know everything because guess what? They've seen it all. It doesn't even matter. And, I mean, Tom and Sonia, two children, mortgage that they were increasingly having difficulty paying, but they had 17 credit cards with $100,000 worth of debt on those credit cards. Can you imagine? You don't have to imagine. You know what you do. And they were able to negotiate through Team Hochberg with the credit card companies and reduced their payment plan by $2,800 a month. They were able to save their home. They were able to get a VA, a, VA, a VA loan, even though they'd been turned down before. So please give yourself a chance. Give them a chance. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com and see what Team Hochberg is all about. Everybody, okay, C.K. Hoffler, you do know Dwight McKee did predict that this was going to happen in 2020. Yeah. And we all of said, course. no, no, no. But, of course, joining Dwight, joining you is, of course, Dwight McKee, Attorney Daryl Jones, Lavonia Perryman, Emmy Award winning producer um, and on-air personality, Erin Connolly, our 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 sister here who's with us every Wednesday, and um, Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary. But you know what? And John Nichols will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. You remember you said, no, 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 no. He's not good. He's <laughs> you said, oh, girl, I need I my, I need my no. smelling salts. <laughs> Did I say smelling salts or heart pills? Where are my heart pills? I beg, I think Either heart way. Pills. All of that. I feel smelling stops, and, and now I've added the Lord's Prayer to all of this. But, <laughs> well, no, you know, you are so right. Dwight McKee, Dwight McKee, who's brilliant, who's a visionary, who is a leader, whose shoulders we stand on, and who's just a genius, did predict this. I was saying no, 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 no. You know, sometimes you believe if you say no, that maybe it <laughs> won't happen, even if you know it could happen. You just say no, no. And that's what I was saying. But, of course... <laughs> It happens, Santita. And despite the fact, you know, there's some other things that have happened in this country yesterday that are really, really important, but they're overshadowed, such as the, the uh, uh, a judge in Fulton County banning. I mean, this is really, the, you know, the, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. It's up to the state. And of course, Georgia passed the anti-abortion law, but, a, but a, a judge in Fulton County, and this is now the law of Georgia. Reverse that. Mm. So that's really, really significant. But let's get to the issue at hand. And we could talk about that another day because, yep, Dwight McGee called it. And so I think that Dwight McGee should talk about it and we should hear his vision again, even though I'm I'm having I mean, I'm smelling salt here. I have heart palpitations. I'm I'm you know, I'm like, where are my heart pills? All of this. But Dwight McGee, you called it. I don't know what he saw. Dwight? <laughs> <laughs> and I am telling you, I ain't going nowhere. Lord have mercy. I now need my heart. Where my heart pills? You're the best job I've ever known. There's no way I'm going ever, ever, ever. Oh, no, no, no way. Wow. Ever, ever, ever. Okay. Talk to me. All right. What happened right. here? I'm going on, I'm going on mute. I have to Don't go on mute. Stay right here. Because you got to introduce everybody else on this panel. <laughs> Shoot. You going to love me. 
<laughs> I was singing it two years ago, me and Rob Petillo, because we saw it coming, basically because Trump can't afford not to be the president. Huh? Here is a guy that's been in his whole kingdom is at risk, and everything from his, his organization being dismembered to him going to jail is 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 at stake. And so he, in many ways, can't afford not to be the president because it's the only thing that can save his kingdom. And the frightening part is when you really look at and understand the numbers, it is not out of the question. Is again, that you're dealing with presidential politics and electoral politics. The people say because, you know, he lost these local races that, you know, he's it's finished and he's over. But you have to understand what that looks like. He's a guy who's been indicted, been impeached twice, who's under absolute pressure, who even then... Most of the races he's lost, he lost margins about one or two or three percent by dysfunctional candidates. By dysfunctional candidates. He endorsed, most of his candidates that he endorsed really had no uh, reason to be in politics beyond his endorsement. They were dysfunctional, and yet many of them were one, two, three percent in um, in the play. And he also got, even today, most of the white votes in America. He's got more white votes than everybody, including Biden. And so, if there is a, 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 a an adjustment by the Hispanic vote and more black people get involved in his campaign, which is what he was bragging about last night. He was. In electoral politics, <laughs> he, has a, he has a legitimate shot, y'all. I mean, and but I'll Dwight, what did you make of that? Because he took the time to say, look, I've increased the participation of, of African Americans, of, of Latinos. I have grown this party. He said that last night, Dwight. And he's going to reach out, and what you're going to see is, and you can write this down, you're going to see a legitimate outreach by him to the black community and the Hispanic community. He was going to, he's going to adjust his position um, uh, on some of the immigration policy. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, I would not be surprised if he, uh, he set up a reparations commission. Mm-hmm. To start looking at that, he is a very shrewd guy, y'all, and he understands who he's dealing with. And as soon as he, he, he can figure out how to bring more blacks and more Hispanics into the party without alienating his racist white base, then it's going to be on. And guess what? This is what Roger Stone said that he should do at the beginning of 2015. He said, if you're going to run, you can win, and you can completely subvert the system if you just run the way you live your life, Donald. He said, Mr. Trump, because that's what he calls him, he said, look, if you just 
if you reach out, he said, you can reach out to black people. You can reach out to Hispanic people. You can reach out to all these different groups. And it's going to bust the two-party system, which is hanging on by a slender thread anyway. He said that. And then you didn't really see him on TV anymore. And <laughs> reality is that we're not talking about Santita. Is we'll reach out a bowl. Mm. Is that there's, there's a lot of disenchantment in the black community and a lot of disenchantment in the in the Hispanic community, and that if you and they're willing to make the deal a deal if it's the right deal. So if you and he know he understands the art of the deal. So if you promise them the right things, many of them are going to book because. The Democratic Party, which is what they put all their hopes in and all their dreams in, has not been able to really deliver at the level of expectation in the last 40 years. Mm. CK? It's a negotiable. But CK, it's what they call realpolitik. This is just real politics. And we've got to take no, our sentiment. You know, we have to take our sentiment out of this and look at what we're looking at. That's why I had to listen to his speech. And when I heard, well, I now, said his his manner. And my mother said he was going to come back this way. She said it because my mother's. You know, she's a shrewd, shrewd political yes, analyst. She yes, she's she shrewd. She's shrewd. She said well, we, he's oh, not and- going to come in 2024 the way he came to you in 2016 or 2020. She said he's going to be right. calmer, and you're going to see. Massive outreach. The Republicans have put community centers in black and brown neighborhoods. And whenever you can tell a Republican is coming, you want to know why? Because they always come loaded with gifts, money. That's, That's right. real. That's real. And, and paper towels and paper towels to throw. Well, and, you know, okay. and throw them. That's all right. And, yeah. And they and they bring the HBCU uh, office back into the White House. Hello. They do yes. that, too. Well, let me well, let me say this. It's all reachable, oh, all doable. And, and let me, of goodness. course, give exceptional deference to the exceptionally brilliant Dr. Jacqueline Jackson. Yes, she is. She's very shrewd and perceived it as well. I will just say this. This is a clarion call to the Democratic Party to get with the program. And I think that the Democratic Party is, has heard it in this sense, and hopefully they will hear it and will act on it. The Democrats won in the Senate by such a slim margin, you know, one or two people. And Georgia's still up for grabs. And I just hate to even mention the words Herschel Walker. But but the fact that Herschel Walker mm-hmm. came so close to winning in Georgia, you talk about heart pills, you know, heart <laughs> palpitations, smelling salts. Our father who art in heaven, all of that, all of the above, Daryl Jones, he came so close. You were there in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You and Barbara Arnwine have been organizing for Transformative Justice Coalition, doing a brilliant job um, at the forefront of these fights in all of these major states. So what do you say? Well, how did you read, Daryl, um, Donald Trump's speech last night and his announcement? And Daryl, I got a, just so that you know, I got about ninety seconds for you and anyone else who you bring on, CK. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks so so much, Nancy and CK. Let me tell you, I, I first had to go take some pills after listening to <laughs> Dwight McKee give that analysis uh, because it's just so so concerning uh, seeing it all. 
But, you know, when I watched this, uh, this speech that went on from President Trump, it, it just reminded me uh, of where we came from and the many things that he just didn't acknowledge uh, that existed. It, it was like recreating this, this, uh, this beautiful world that, that was here when, when he was the president that I don't think I was a part of. And, you know, it, it's scary because what really uh, shook me was reminding myself how short the memory is of many Americans. And, you know, and outside the beltway, uh, the way that they perceive things and how things are misperceived. And it's like he's creating a, uh, an, a, a, an alternate universe of information of how things existed that we don't remember existing. You know, so it, it was very concerning. And so when Dwight comes and he's talking about, well, he's going to create a reparations committee and do these things and, and reach out, uh, and people will begin, in my mind, start forgetting what it was like when he was the president and begin buying into uh, running for the carrot that he's putting on the stick that you'll never be able to reach. And he'll you know, have a real strong opportunity to then uh, be president again. So you know, that certainly is concerning. It also is concerning for, the, for this reason, is that I think that one of the things that President, former President Trump did effectively last night is he really did draw the line in the, sta- in the sand. He really did you know, mark his space to intimidate any other Republicans that may be interested now in, in putting their hat in the ring, showing them what they're going to have to put up with and how he's going to be a formidable candidate. I think that he effectively did that. And it was very concerning to me, particularly when they started uh, shouting, uh, dream that swamp, dream that swamp uh, during, during, his, during his speech. It was very concerning, extremely concerning. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's concerning, but, you know, it's just it's just the politics of the matter. I mean, it, it you know, really it, I mean, is. It's a politics. Because I don't. The the, let's be clear. I don't think this has not been C.K. and, and Attorney Jones. This is not Dwight's wish. He's just mm-hmm. stepping right. back. <laughs> Dwight, but he's just oh. saying about it. He's just saying <laughs> about it. But you know, Santita, I, I would like if we've got enough time to hear from Aaron Connolly before we go on break. I'd love to hear Aaron's take. We got one minute deep in this. Aaron. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ms. C.K. Hoffler. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm anxious to, to eat my popcorn on the sidelines and watch the, what the Republican Party does in the next couple weeks in response to this, right? We have Florida Governor DeSantis thinking about making a presidential run. We see these gorgeous losses for Trump candidates around the country. And I think his energy last night reflected that stress. He's in he's back into a corner. He is probably getting indicted again somewhere. Right. His effort to run for president is an effort to dodge that indictment from many accounts. And he's feeling like a loser right now, despite his his uh, his big announcement yesterday. His candidates lost his policies lost. People that voted to impeach him won in districts that are competitive. And the Republican Party is starting to wake up and realize what Lindsey Graham said many years ago in 2015, that if they let him in, it will destroy the Republican Party. And the battle that's going to happen behind closed doors and in the press is going to be fascinating, especially considering that Fox News cut away from his speech and apparently is no longer supporting him in the same way that they did in the past. So I'm anxious to see all of that play out. I definitely will get some smelling salts with my popcorn, though, just in case. 
Mm-hmm. Look, I hear you. We're going to go to this break, but I can tell you what, you know, just because Murdoch cuts away and and the and the Fox team cuts away, okay, that they've lost some of that corporate support and the corporatocracy on one level is turning away from him, which helps to make him even stronger, Aaron. <laughs> it makes it look like he's being rejected by the people at the top. <laughs> so it makes him stronger with his base. Oh. And, and Liz, and, and, and Liz did say that from home, y'all. By the way, what happened? Uh, Liz, and Liz did say that by, from home. By the way, she ran her out of office. Oh, Liz, Liz, Liz Cheney. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. She said she said Trump was over. She said that from her house. Oh. <laughs> She got run out of office. Right. This is Lavonia. One thing for sure. No, no, stand by. Stand by. We're coming back, everybody, in just a hot second. Stay here with us on on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Stay right there. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. We're talking about President Donald Trump. He's running again. What do you think about that, everybody? Boy, oh boy. Dwight McKee, whenever you, I mean, let me stop. Before I get back to Dwight, Livonia Perryman, Emmy Award winner. And she is after, well, let's bring that down so we don't have to hear that. Okay. Um... You know, it's it's you know, it sounds it's an alternative view, but you know what he did say, Miss Lavonia Perryman, Emmy Award winner, brilliant. Uh, she's on the on nine ten a.m. the super station, super radio station out of Detroit. Okay, and, and she's got broad reach and so in the state of Michigan. Thank you so very much, dear. I, I just oh. can't tell you how I appreciate. Uh, being able to be on the show, but I just well, want yeah, well, to this know is not going to be the last time. We're going to do some cross pollinating so we can so we can get to know yeah. each other's audiences and and really and help each and help people to know um, people need to know you. When you hear Dwight say this, he wasn't talking about his aspiration, Miss Lavonia. Yeah. He was saying, "Hey, y'all, this is what we're looking at." Because you know, it sounded crazy in 2020. He and Robert Patillo, our southeastern regional director for Rainbow Push said that he was not going to leave office. Everybody shouted him down. They said, uh, and they shut down. They didn't want to hear it. He was like, no, 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 no. He is not leaving, y'all. He ain't going nowhere. He's going to set up a parallel government. You'll have an alternative White House known as Mar-a-Lago. He's going nowhere, and he's going to run again. Oh, if he loses. What it really is is a parallel reality that he is in and he has created it very well. He, I mean, and he started and, and it wasn't that he went from losing as being president. He has a, an alternative motive and Dwight, you're right. It is truly his personality. This has been, you know, talk about dream. This has been, this is who he is. It is just, well, you move from New York, you move to Florida. I mean, that was just, you know, a train ticket for him. But his thoughts about who he is, it's what we see. He is not one to give up, to give in, 
and he will do whatever is necessary. When he, when you said he will create a reparations commission, I believe you. He will create another reality that will bring forth individuals, more than 16% African-Americans, men who he know are teetering on the bridge of Demo- being a Democrat. And unless the Democrats hear and understand and, and do something, come on, Livonia, do something, do and not just do something. They've got to come through, Livonia. Because when I talk to these black men who who, and these Hispanic men who are going over, who are supporting President Trump in particular, this is what they're talking about. They're like, you all are not delivering and I'm done. Stay right there, Livonia. Stay right there because we've got John Nichols, who you knew from the campaigns. And, of course, we've got everybody else because CK has conferenced all these other folks in. He sent me a tweet, which... Said it all. (laughs) Let me just read this as I bring you on, John Nichols, national correspondent for The Nation magazine. The mistake that pundits make is to think it matters that most Republicans are not excited about Trump running again in a crowded field, you said. He needs only about the support of about 35 percent of the GOP primary and caucus voters to win the nomination. And he's got them. I'm done with you, John. Maybe we should hang up on him. Huh, Lavonia? <laughs> Dwight, I think, because he sounded like Dwight this morning. I can't take two. <laughs> and and you know, Todd Yeary and Daryl Jones are on, too. And Aaron. And Aaron? Aaron have to take her baby to school. Aaron, are you still on? But John okay. has a good point. John Nichols, has, I mean, he, he, he has the point. Is Ooh. the point you have? You have men, and you have men, and be they black, brown, and you have the people who were standing in the audience with millions of dollars yesterday, listening to a what? Now you know. Wait, the media is calling the loser, but the loser had a meeting yesterday to announce he was running president of these United States, and he had billions of dollars in the room. And yet the 34% of the, uh, the, uh, the people who will never go anywhere, you could tell them anything about Trump, and they're going to be there with mega hats on no matter what. All he needs is a sliver of brothers, sliver of brothers of black and brown, and a few others, and he and he's got it. Well, well, you know what, John Nichols? This brings us to you. Because, you, you know, what do they say? Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Even after all that his former attorney general said about him, <laughs> he said, look, I'll probably uh, support him. Yeah. Yes. He'll be the Republican nominee. John Nichols. <laughs> look, here's the bottom line. Uh, people think that Donald Trump has a massive following. He doesn't. And that's the important thing to understand. His actual following has always been only a portion of the Republican Party. He, in 2016, he didn't get a majority of the votes in any Republican primary until New York, there you go, until New York in April. That was months into the primary season. He was usually getting about 32, 35% of the vote. And if there's a crowded field in 2024, he'll do the same thing. He'll get 30, 35 percent of the vote. People, all the pundits will say, oh, Trump is, you know, he's lost his magic. He's no longer the star. But he will get 
enough votes to win the primaries, to win the caucuses, to win the nomination. And then once he has the nomination, then he will be the leader of one of the two major parties in America. Like it or not, we've got a two-party system. And in that circumstance, Republicans will fall in line behind him, just as they did in 2016, just as they did in 2020. Now, in 2016, it was barely enough to pull him across. In 2020, it wasn't. In 2024, you know, Trump is not going to sing a new tune. He's not going to offer you something different than what he offered you in the past. That was quite clear from from his speech last night. It was, a, it was like a greatest hits show at the casino. But the thing to understand is that Trump always rises or falls on the tenor of the times. If in 2024 things are better, right, if, if the average American thinks, yeah, you know what, you know, under Joe Biden, the Democrats, after the last couple of years, things have gotten better. Our lives are, our lives are maybe not perfect, but, but good, or at least improving. Then Trump doesn't have a chance. He'll go nowhere. However... If things are tough, if we do, you know, if inflation comes back, if we do get hit with a recession, whatever, then Trump has a chance. And this is what pundits and and political observers have to understand. They always underestimate Trump. They always imagine that, you know, he's about to go away. And now they're all excited about Ron DeSantis. I can tell you right now, and I'll say it bluntly, and I'll say it again and again, the biggest loser on November 8th, was Ron DeSantis. Because Why? He did well because he did well in Florida. He had a good finish. And all the pundits and all the Republican elites said, oh, well, here's the alternative to Trump. Here's the candidate who can beat Trump. Now, Forget- that made DeSantis Trump's target. And yes. if Trump is good at one thing, it is at destroying any Republican who gets in his way. Ask Jeb Bush, ask Rand Paul, ask Scott Walker, ask Ted Cruz, ask Paul Ryan. The list goes on and on and on. And so people who think that somehow DeSantis is going to shove aside Donald Trump are are on a fool's mission. The fact is there will be 8, 10, 12 Republicans running, probably, and they will divide up the vote, Chris Christie and Mike Pompeo and, uh, you know, nameless others uh, will be out there. DeSantis may or may not as well. But in any kind of crowded field, Trump remains the dominant figure in the Republican Party. It is just as simple as that. And rather than, you know, kind of doing the fantasy once more, as some of your uh, guests have said this morning, Democrats should stop underestimating Trump recognize what his appeal is and counter it. They don't have to counter it by embracing his racism or his xenophobia or any of his, you know, lies about things. They have to counter it by doing things, by doing real things that make working class people better off. Yes. No, thank you for that. I mean, I'm saying, look, when you have when you have cancer, you don't need NyQuil. You don't need cold medicine. You know, you need Chemo, you need radiation. Okay. This is the thing. This is the thing, Cynthia, and it's such an important aspect of this discussion. The fact of the matter is that at the core of Trump's speech last night, and I listened to the whole thing, at the core of his speech, 
He said he was running to get rid of the corruption. He was going to be for term limits, for getting money out of politics. He had all these reform messages at the core of his speech. Now, does Trump mean that? No, he didn't do it the last time he was there. He's not going to do it this time. But these promises, right, will identify him again. He will try to be identified once more as an outsider, as a rebel against the the establishment, not just in the Democratic Party, but in the Republican Party. Trump loves the position that he's in. He likes to be the person saying that everybody else is wrong and everybody else will let you down. Well, the way to counter that is to not let people down. And if Democrats want to know what they need to do, it's very, very simple. They need to fight with everything they've got at the federal level, where, it's, where it will be difficult because of control of Congress, but the president has the power of, of executive orders. And at the state level, where they now control a number of states, to deliver for poor and working class people, to deliver for those who've been dispossessed. You know, if you're, if you're making things happen for people, then the promises of a charlatan like Donald Trump don't get very far. Well, there is that. And this is, this is, once again, this is Ravone, and you're absolutely correct, Tantina and Nichols. You must, Democrats must show up with a plan and execute a plan. You already know, Democrats, what is needed in the community in the United States. And you have to start delivering on that. If someone says to you that I need shelter, then you need to find that. And because you can, if you're claiming to be the winner of November the 8th, if you're claiming to be able to manage the Senate, if you're claiming to be the governor of the state of Michigan, if you're claiming to be the secretary of state, whatever you must do, that's one thing. One other thing I like to say that stars are not born. They are made. And who knows that best is Trump. He has created this image, the likeness and image of himself that can be sold anywhere that we have to confront it. One thing for sure, I don't understand how we're going to fight a pit bull with a poodle, Democrat. <sighs> I don't get that. Mm-hmm. You need to come with all barrels open. You know, you need to take a bite out of the Republicans if you're going to do something. One thing is to, the action plan is key, Nichols. It is very key. But you've got to confront the person or the image or the proposal or the action head on right now. That's right. Look, why did Trump do well in 2016 in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, the three key states that switched? The answer is very simple. Democrats worked with Republicans and did NAFTA back in the 1990s. Then they did China free trade in 2000. Then they did a host of other free trade deals. Democrats and Republicans saying, oh, this is going to be great for you. Well, 60,000, I'm going to repeat that, 60,000 manufacturing facilities, factories, closed between the time that NAFTA was enacted in 2016. 600,000 workers were directly displaced and millions more had their livelihoods and their circumstances undermined. Millions of young people who might have gone into manufacturing weren't able to do so because the factories were closed. Now, Trump went out there and lied to people. He said, oh, we're going to reopen the factories. He didn't do it. It didn't happen. But the lie at least said he understood 
what people were scared about, what people were concerned about. If Democrats want to do something right now, very simple thing. They should be in the forefront of reindustrialization of the United States. And that doesn't mean opening up the old factories and doing the same old thing. It means doing some of what Biden's done right, you know, with some of these new initiatives to build, to create batteries, to create the, the technological advances of the 21st century. But they've got to put that commitment there, and they've got to make sure that those jobs are in places where poor and working class people live. And this is particularly in communities that have been deindustrialized, often communities that are overwhelmingly black uh, and overwhelmingly Latinx, you know, working class communities, white folks, too. And the bottom line is you start that reindustrialization. You start putting jobs where people live. Trump's appeal will be very limited. Hmm. So, let me jump in here real quick. Yes, Reverend Urey. I I, I think we've got to be clear on what the the numbers really are. Because I think we've started taking the carrot of the messaging uh, that somehow Trump's political influence is waning. The decision desk, even at NBC, has noted that of the 225 endorsements that Trump gave, 190 of those candidates won. Would you wait? Would, would you say that one more time, please? Because they have the corporate media have not been telling the truth. Of the 225 endorsements that Trump made this cycle, up and down the ballot, state races and federal races, only 30 of those candidates lost. That's not being lifted up. The other piece is: is Trump's not afraid of a state prosecution. A state prosecution will not disqualify him from running for federal office. A federal prosecution under the statute will. So here's what's going to happen. Get your popcorn. All he needed was to take the House. He didn't really need the Senate. He needs the House to be able to initiate articles of impeachment just to muck up the system, to create conflict, to see whether or not the Senate will hold a trial. He's not trying to get a conviction, but there will be a force from the far right for which there are 31 votes on the extreme right to hold up the Republican management of the House of Representatives. So you will see them go after Merrick Garland. You will see them go after Hunter Biden. You will see them even raise the prospect of going after the president himself just to create the contrast. And let's be clear on what Trump can run on that no one can take away from him, and it will galvanize the base. The three appointments he made to the United States Supreme Court that has them leaning so far right they're about to fall out of their chair is clearly attributed to one person. That's Donald John Trump. And so if we're, if we're clear on what this is, we've got to make sure that we don't get caught up in the hype of the messaging. The reason I say it was manipulation last night is he knew that if he took the bait and created a spectacle, that would be the story. So we got lulled into him being subdued. He wasn't subdued. He was calculated. Thank you. Calculating because around him, the media messaged for him what he did not have to message for himself. So don't get this thing twisted. If the gavel changes, they've already elected leadership in the House. The the game is already played. The rules are already set. The next two years are going to be all about mitigating uh, the exposure that he faces federally and let the state trials run whatever course they will, because at the end of the day, he is not threatened by a conviction in Georgia. 
Well, let me just say that he's threatened by conviction. Leave it to Yuri to make sense. Yeah, and what Reverend Yuri is saying is is spot on. I think there's one other thing that we need to put in the mix here, too, because it it comes off of what Reverend Yuri has said there. Kevin McCarthy has zero control over his caucus. Mm. He is going to be the leader of the Republicans in the House because all of the different factions on the Republican side know that he is afraid of them and he will do what they make him do. And the loudest faction, the most extreme faction, has already extracted from him a promise to do hearings that will investigate the Democrats for investigating what the Republicans did wrong. They are going to turn the tables here, and they're going to turn the House of Representatives not into a governing body, but into a messaging machine for Trump and Trumpism. That's what Marjorie Taylor Greene has already promised. I'm not, I'm not reporting something that isn't isn't known she said it to the newspaper she said it to television she met with mccarthy and he promised her she would do what he asked she also said is arguably the most extreme member of the house although that's a big competition that she will have real power in this house of representatives so that's what you need to understand trump and trumpism is not gonna you know they're not gonna try and govern in any way over the next two years they don't have the power to do that they will turn these next two years into a vehicle to promote their agenda and to reinforce their base. What the Biden administration, what the Democrats have to do is use the Senate as effectively as they can and look in the House of Representatives for that handful of Republicans that don't want to go off the cliff with with the right wing, with the right. There are a handful and they have to be incredibly strategic and incredibly aggressive in this regard. This is not going to be a game that's won in the back rooms. This isn't going to be a game that's won, you know, quietly through negotiation. It's got to be a very public, very aggressive advocacy for a set of policies. Not saying you don't like Trump, not saying you don't like McCarthy, but for a set of policies. And if those policies are denied by the House of Representatives, let that be the story. Don't let the the silly and, and pointless investigations be the story. Let the story be that Republicans are standing in the way of jobs, of justice, Thank you. freedom in the planet. I mean, it's like, are you serious? It's, you all are not. You All you had to do was say, this is what we tried to do, but the Republicans stood in the way. That's all they had to, that's all they had to do. They wouldn't do it. Power- like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, you know what? Let me just say this, everyone. We're going to have, hold on one second. We're going to have a, a bit of an after show. Henry, if you would, please answer um, some of these. Some of these people are calling in. To be fair, Henry knows that the show ends typically at 8 a.m. East Central Standard Time. But whoever can stay, I hope, Lavonia, I hope you can stay with me for a while. Aaron, I know you yeah. got to take your son to school, but I wish you would stay with me for a while. John, Dwight, yeah. CK, I know you got stuff to do. But people really do want to talk about this, and they really want to hear from you. So stay right here. Stay right here on uh, the Santita Jackson Show, the YouTube channel, and Santita Jackson and Friends. Because the audience has grown and grown and grown. Stay right here. And Henry, just let some of these, bring some of these callers in so that we can, because CK was brilliant, brilliant enough to come up with a solution for us to free up the lines. We want to hear from you today. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Because we want to talk with you. And this is not, we're not talking about wanting President Trump to go back in. No, 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 no. What Dwight McKee said was 
let me tell you what he's going to do because I've studied him. You have to get over your feet, get out of your feelings about politics. Don't do that. It's not about feelings. It's about facts. Okay. Take that. Understand that. Get over yourself. This is not a date. It's a destination. It's about the allocation of resources. That's all that this is. That's all it is. And whoever is in office, you have to learn, particularly black people, because we have to, because we are in a caste, John. So we have to go with the way, because we, not, unlike everybody else in America, um, black Americans cannot pass into whiteness. <laughs> okay. That's right. We're the only ones who can't. So we're the readily identifiable other. If you find out that someone's got some black blood, it changes your it changes your thoughts about them in America because that is how we do things. I'm not mad about it because I'm glad I am not tragically black. I'm not even magically black. I am black and that's that, and I'm happy about it. And I want John to be happy about being white. I want Aaron to be happy about being white. I want Daly to be happy about being brown. I want everybody to be happy about how God made you. I don't believe anyone is superior or inferior. Get over all that silliness. That's just crazy. It's crazy. We all bring to this particular discussion and to the table our set of experiences. I don't know where Reverend Jackson and the Civil Rights Movement would be without without Reverend Frank Watkins, who was as white as the driven snow. Carolyn Kasdan, Jewish woman. Yes. We come out of a rainbow. Yes. And we all bring what we bring to the table. Our body of experience is this old farm guy from Wisconsin who showed up on my parents' doorstep, frightened. My parents were scared to death for John. So they said, he's a baby out here. But he's, you know what, he's our baby because he's out here campaigning for us. So let's come on, John. That's what we have to do. When we saw those people crack a barrel last night who were embracing Reverend, mm-hmm. they were black, they were white, they were working class, they were poor, and they said, we thank you, Reverend, for fighting for us. We need to stand up for each other, everybody. And we need yeah. to tell the truth about what we're seeing about how and how our politicians are marketing to us so we stop getting played. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show channel, YouTube channel. I want to get some thoughts from you.